When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Football is late in the first quarter. Houston leads Baltimore 7-0. In the NHL tonight, the Panthers out shooting the Devils 32-11, but it's 1-1 early in the third. Also early in the third, Philly up 3-1 on Pittsburgh. Late second period, Canadians with a 2-1 edge on Columbus. Minnesota and Winnipeg 2-2 after the first, and about six minutes left in the first period. Chicago with a 1-0 lead on Anaheim. Patrick Sharp has his third of the season. The Oilers will play Arizona tomorrow. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Ched, and 7 o'clock for the drop of the puck. Some uh, good discussion. Tonight, some texts in about uh, the uh, Jordan Everly uh, losing confidence, uh, being under scrutiny. Uh, quotes from the weekend. Uh, obviously, a lot of talk about the Grey Cup. We had uh, Kelly Rudy on the show. We had former Eskimo Mookie Mitchell on the show, both saying they didn't like what Mark Way McDaniel said about Kamar Jordan fumbling, that you you know, you know, should never suggest one teammate on one play cost you the game, even though you're frustrated about it. So, yeah, I mean, definitely you shouldn't blame other people if you can avoid it, though I think we can all agree everything is Drew Armendo's fault. Hi, Drew! That's absolutely true, and that's how I live my life. When you once you know that, once you are in the in the mindset that no matter what happened, it was because of me, it was because of what I did. Your life is going to be fine, and mine is too, because I'm at the point where my give a you know what factor, my 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 mechanism is at about a minus ten about what everybody else thinks. Honest to God, I don't understand. And I don't want to get into a rant, but I'm going to. I'll power through it. I don't understand how how people can let other people's opinions, people you don't know, people you don't associate with, people who just watch what you do, let that affect your confidence. It's mind-boggling to me. You had a great... Sorry, I'll let you finish. My mistake. My mistake. I've told you this before, that you don't lose your confidence, you choose to give it away. And I, I believe that with all my heart, and I, I, I say I live my life by it, but it's, it's one thing that I just don't care what other people think of me. I don't care. My, I care what my wife thinks of me. I care what my family thinks of me. And then after, some days, my kids, I'm not sure some days I don't. And then after that, it's a pretty short friggin' list about whose opinion I'm going to take to heart. Well, this is intense. You're usually pretty intense on the show. Uh, you're extra dialed up today. Did you eat some hot sauce with your supper? Or I, just what? Got back, I just got back from the gym, so I'm, <laughs> so I'm all jacked up now. Uh, were you doing some of that MMA stuff that you do? Yeah. Yeah. So were you actually I sparring love- today? 
No, it's just me and the bag. I, I beat the bag every time I fight the bag. I beat the bag. Right, you're undefeated. Yeah, as long as nobody's punching me back, I'm really friggin' good. <laughs> do, do a drink. Like honestly, I look good doing it. My kicks are sharp. My punches hit every time I hit the target. As long as nobody's punching me back in the face or grabbing me and throwing me down to the mat, I'm uh, I'm not bad. Not bad. Undefeated. Undefeated the against the inanimate object. That's yeah, pretty good. Exactly. Well, see, yeah. I play a sport with inanimate objects, but I'm I always lose, and that's golf. Golf. <laughs> Golf is way more frustrating, man. You can't punch people. In the, well, you can, but it's not. It's frowned upon. Yeah, it's frowned yeah. upon. And, and yeah. you know, I, I sometimes, even as I've got it in my 40s, I still throw the odd club. Way yes, less than I used to when I was a teenager. <laughs> but then I'm like, why did I do that? All I'm doing is, uh, A, looking foolish, and B, I might break a club that I paid money for, which is yeah. stupid. And nowadays, they're, 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 they're expensive. I used to work at, you know, that's what I was going to do for a living. I was going to be a golf pro. I... I I worked at a golf course since I was 13 years old, started picking balls on the range, worked in the pro shop. And, you know, I think my the first card, you had to get your B card. And it's, at that time, it was like if you had to shoot two rounds of average 85 or something like that. So I and I was going to be a golf pro. And so one of the things we used to do was repair clubs, right? I mean, you were, that's what you did in your pro shop. You learned how to rewind. It was back, back in the day, steel shafts and wood clubs and, and blade irons. So when people would snap a shaft, it would be... I think it would cost them twenty dollars to repair, but it wasn't graphite. They weren't. They, now it's, you know, now, back then it was just steel shaft. You plug it in, you glued it on, and put a new grip on. That was it. I, I did not know that. I did not know you had that much of a connection to golf. So that's cool. Oh, yeah. Now, now yeah. I'm going to bombard you with even more golf stories when I no, see you. Because I haven't ring. swung a golf club in like eleven years. <laughs> okay. Well, I could still tell you about my travails and okay, triumphs. Yeah, no, yeah. Now we're way off track. But there's there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than golfers recapping their round to you. I know the it's bad. The worst part about golf, it's, it's almost like CrossFitters. Like, it's not really a CrossFit routine unless you tweet about it or, or Instagram it and put it online. Golfers are the same way, but they got to sit and tell you about the round shot by shot. Well, yeah, then on 17, I, had a, I, had a, I hooked it into the woods, but I had a little bit of a pretty good lie. I hit a little shot to the green, so I chunked it, uh, a seven iron, got it out, rolled it up, and then I, I two-putted for a par. Oh, yeah, really, that's really <laughs> That's me all Thanks summer. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, see, I know I, I have a buddy that I golf with probably at least half my rounds with him, so we will go into detail about rounds when we don't play oh, with yeah. each other. And But oftentimes it'll be, so we'll be playing golf on a Friday and we'll have golfed earlier in the week but not with each other. So as we're play, playing on Friday, we'll talk about the previous round we played together. So it kind of fits in that situation, <laughs> I hope, anyway. Cause I'm li- and I'm listening as well as talking, so I hope that's, uh, that's acceptable. Uh, Drew Remenda joining us on Inside Sports. So you, uh, you gave us your thoughts, obviously, on the, uh, the Eberly Hall comments and some of the confidence yeah. stuff. Uh, I, I assume you you were probably uh, equally irritated to hear a, a Calgary Stampeder uh, say say his teammate was uh, was guilty of stupid football late in the Grey Cup. I don't think that's the place to do it. You know, you can you can say it to your family and friends, and you can keep it to you. But you, what kind of teammate says that in, in a final? You don't think the guy first of all. You don't think the guy feels bad enough as it is, but then. You're gonna you're gonna run your mouth. Uh, let me. What were your stats like? Well, how was your game? Were you perfect in that game? There's, there. It's people don't understand. I mean, it's okay for 
you as a teammate to get after another teammate. If he's dogging it, if he's if he's not focused, if he is dropping the football or not making smart plays, you're allowed on the sidelines to take him aside or in the dressing room and say, hey, you got to pull your head out of here, you know what, and let's get this thing going. Boy, Mark Messier was famous for it, right? I mean, he would challenge guys in the dressing room. Um, I've seen other I've seen other guys in in the Sharks dressing room. I know for a fact that guys challenge guys, and there's nothing wrong with that. But after it's all said and done, shut up, shut up and support. Be a supportive teammate. You're not helping. What are you doing? You're, okay, you're frustrated. You're upset. I get that you're frustrated and upset. You lost another great cup. But shut up. You don't get to say that. Drew, we should talk a little Oilers while we have you on. Okay. <laughs> Uh, oh man, they uh, they can't decide how they're going to play from night to night. Uh, let me let me ask this: Looking at the last, and look, this is one of those th- I recognize. It's easy for me to say. I watch the games on TV. I made stories above the ice uh, when they're at home. But I look at a game like Buffalo, and I think, why won't you forecheck? And then I look at a game like Boston, and I think, hey, you did a pretty good job forechecking. Now, it's e- it's easy just to say, hey, go forecheck. What, what's happening? How come they're so much more engaged uh, forechecking in one game, and then they can have another game where they're really not generating anything? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. No, I don't. I really don't. I, I don't understand how you can... Okay, the Dallas game, actually, the score was not really indicative of of how they played. They made mistakes that ended up in their net. Um, and they, But they only allowed, I think it was 14 even-strength shots against a pretty good offensive team. Yep. The St. Louis game, where they were just purely outclassed by a bunch of better team, and they're, uh, I, don't, I, I can't tell. Like Mark, I know Mark Spector wrote that they quit. I can't tell that. I don't know if they quit or not. You can only ask guys in the room and see if you get an honest answer. Then they bounce back in Detroit. They were embarrassed and humiliated. They play a hard game against Detroit. Went back-to-back, and it was a hard-fought, tough win where they did a lot of things right, especially away from the puck defensively. Yeah, they were in their zone, but Detroit was on the outside. They didn't generate much, mm-hmm. and... They were they were really good, and then they go to Buffalo and they don't want to compete. You know, as you talk about forechecking, you know, I read forechecking's hard. Forechecking's hard. You got to get moving. You got to put the puck in the right place, and you got to get there early. And you got to start playing the body. You got to use your body to protect the puck, and you're gonna go up against the boards, and your face is gonna get mashed in glass. Those things are tough, hard to do. And if you're not willing to do them, if your will isn't there, forget it. You're not gonna. You're not going to have a chance. I don't care who you're playing, if it's Buffalo or Pittsburgh or, or St. Louis. And then they played Boston Bruins, and, again, embarrassed by Buffalo, not going to let that happen again, go out and play a hard game, put the pucks in the right spot, work to, were, were quick away from the puck, were anticipating. They, they went to their spots early. They got to spots quicker than Boston. I said after the game, hopefully the Oilers recognize how hard it is to win a game in the National Hockey League is that they're, it's going to click to them one, one of these days that, you know what, if we want to win and we want to win consistently, we've got to do that, which was really hard and we're really tired and it was a lot of work, but we've got to do that every single time. Yeah. And if they don't, it's going to be this type of year where it's up and down. Because against Boston, they look like a really good hockey team. Yeah, that was one of the better games of the year for sure. Drew, I appreciate you coming on, especially uh, right after your workout. I'm only going to schedule your appearances after workouts uh, from now on because you had so much energy. You get get a little excited. Your endorphins are popping after a workout, and you're you're (laughs) feeling good about your life. And, you know, you look at yourself and you think, you know, you're not bad for a 55-year-old bald guy. It's not bad. Can't be bald and fat, Reed. Be one or the other. So 
The one's already chosen for me. you got to make sure I stay safe. Well, there you go. I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. I'm looking forward All to right, it, Drew. Man. That is Drew Remenda checking in. Of course, the uh, color analyst for the Oilers games on Sportsnet. Kevin Quinn does the play-by-play. Always love having Drew on the uh, show. And uh, yes, to the couple of you uh, texting in, specifically say that you hate Drew. Obviously, he doesn't care. And quite frankly, I don't care either. It is 717 Inside Sports on Chet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Adarius Bowman winning the Tom Pate Award for community work and sportsmanship in the CFL. Eskimos won some other individual award last week. What was it? Uh, That guy, that guy with the beard and the hats. Yeah, Mike Riley, one most outstanding player. That was pretty cool. Eskimos host the Grey Cup in a year. Already people texting in they want the Eskimos to be in it. Well, that'd be cool. A lot has to happen between now and then. Here's, okay, here's a, well, it's not quite an off-topic topic, but the, uh, the, the it's the getting ahead of ourselves topic. But let me put, let me put this out to you guys. C.J. Gable, John White, who do you pick? They're both free agents. They're both running backs. They have both played well as Edmonton Eskimos. Gable briefly after being acquired by Hamilton. John White, when healthy, he has missed two of the last three seasons with injury. you got to assume they're going to try to keep one. C.J. Gable or John White? You can text me 630-630-780-496-0063. Leona texting in, saying, I hope many people like me cheered for Ricky Ray, a truly nice young man, rather than cheered against the Stampeders or Bo Levi. As for players getting booed, it's an ignorant practice. Taylor Hall, Jordan Everly, Justin Schultz took it on the chin and paid the price for a dysfunctional management team and an owner who was too concerned that his buddies had jobs. That is a text coming in from Leona, who considers Ricky Ray a uh, nice young man. He is a nice guy. We we are uh, we may get Ricky Ray on the show later this week, Kellen. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Four-time Grey Cup champion for sure. Don't get to interview a lot of four-time Grey Cup champions. What was your favorite Ricky Ray Grey Cup uh, game memory? Well, because uh, mine was two thousand and five. Uh, well, we had but. the guy. We had the guy. The my most memorable Ricky Ray play as an Eskimo is they're uh, driving down against Montreal. They're behind by, I think, five at the time. They have third and four. And, you know, Ricky is the master of the check down and the, the short, accurate pass. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, we're, we're good. they're going to throw a short pass. And he throws the long bomb to Mookie, and they get down inside the 20, uh, get the touchdown, get the two-point convert. And then, obviously, Montreal came back and kicked a field goal to tie it, but the Eskimos did win in overtime. I think if I had to pick one Ricky Ray play, it would be that third and four. And he yeah. just dropped that pass perfectly, right? Like, if if Mookie hadn't caught it, it would have got lodged in his face mask and his, you know, and he would, still would have had it. So that that's one I really remember. That was an incredible run. Now, don't forget, Moss saved them in the West Semi in Calgary mm-hmm. and also came on and helped win the, the West Final. But Ricky was uh, MVP in 2005. That's your number one game, too, yeah. right? I, to this day, I still think it's the greatest Grey Cup game ever played. 
that 2005 game just because of the overtime, the dramatics leading up to it. Uh, Machocha prematurely celebrating on a sideline when the game. Oh yeah, geez, that's right. Ended quite quickly. Yeah. yeah, just full of great moments. That yeah. was that was a magical Great Cup run because that was like they were a good team, but they didn't have much of a running game. They got Troy Davis late in the season in a trade from Hamilton. Oddly enough, you know Ray was kind of. He wasn't really lighting it up. I think he had a stretch of, might have even been up to seven games without a touchdown pass, even though they were winning the majority of their games. But they remember they went into Calgary last game of the regular season, and the way it worked out was if they won, they finished first, but if they lost, they finished third, because BC was in the mix there too. They lost, BC wound up first, stamped second, Eskimos third, and and I think they lost something like 43-23, I believe, but but they got a couple of garbage time yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, then they were down, I believe, nine at the half in the semifinal, but weren't playing well. Calgary got an early field goal, and Moss came in. There was that one, man, I wish I wish we would have known we would have got to talk about this. I think Moss led a 13-play drive. Do you remember he made that one pass? He was about to get sacked, and he did a 360 spin while he was in the guy's yeah. grasp mm-hmm. and threw a short pass to Matthew Bertrand, and then Bertrand ran for the first down. That's right. Yeah, anyway, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, this texture says, uh, "Hi, Reed. I like listening to Drew Armenda and Kevin Quinn. They do a fabulous job." Well, that's something nice about Drew. That's nice. People can have different opinions. If we all thought the same, we'd be—I don't know—the Borg, something like that. Uh. This uh, Brad says, uh, I'd have to go with C.J. Gable. White is always injured, and I love Gable's size, especially when it gets to cold-weather football. You know what else is being discussed? The commissioner put it out there that he is open to starting the season earlier and maybe even having the Grey Cup in October. I wouldn't mind the season being moved up by a couple of weeks. I don't know by three or four. I'm more adamant about getting rid of the divisions and just having a nine-team league with no divisions, but maybe I'm beating a dead horse on that one. A little bit of bonus content here. Uh, Dave Cutler on his game-winning field goal in 1981 when the Eskimos came from behind in the second half, and then Cutler won it right at the end. I had practiced with Drain Mandrusiak. He was, uh, he was, you know, the equipment guy for a long, long time there, and he would stay out after practice, and we kicked a million balls. And we always would, would at the last part of the practice, we'd practice the Grey Cup winner with six seconds to go. And when we ran out in the field uh, for that kick, it was six seconds on the clock. I swear to God. It says three seconds is when we kicked it, but when we ran out in the field, it was six seconds. Pretty cool. Dave Cutler. You can text 63630. Hey, the Olympic curling trials start on Saturday. Mark Kennedy is going. He'll talk about that, and he'll tell you why he got naked to take pictures. Support 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. Find out how at santasanonymous.ca. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. We've got Morgan Black reading news tonight. Little known facts about Morgan Black. She can bench press 450 pounds. I've heard this. Amazing strength. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 
the Big L texted in. The Big L, as you know, Kellen, a loyal listener and texter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he uh, sent in a long text, which I'm not going to read. <laughs> and then he sent in a shorter text saying, Read, sorry for the lengthy text. My wife says if she ran a radio show, she'd never read my never-ending comments. Well, hopefully... The Big L's wife listens to his text to her, or reads his yeah, text to her. Yeah, because there could be some important information that yeah. she needs to know. Like, I don't know. The milk is sour. We need fresh milk. <laughs> that would be important. Please help. No dinner. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. Please, please help. No dinner. Please send help. What was that one uh, Simpsons episode several years ago where uh, Skinner got a text from his... Uh, Mother, and he's like, oh, I got to go home. And then it shows his cell phone, and the text yeah. was, come home, fridge too loud. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put a damper on that fridge. Uh, you can always text 63630. I do not read all the texts on the radio. I do read them all to myself. Uh, many of you are very amusing. Many of you make comments which are not suitable for air but I still often read those texts and can be amused by them. So that's that's fair. Quickly updating the NHL scoreboard. Panthers lead the Devils 3-2 with three and a half minutes left. With five minutes left, the Penguins and Flyers are tied 3-3. Early in the third, Montreal 2, Columbus 1. Second period, Jets up 3-2 on the Wild. And after one, now 3-0, Chicago leading Anaheim. Monday night football, 14-7. Baltimore leads Houston. Seven minutes to go in the first half. Well, uh, we've had some fun guests tonight, and this guy keeps that theme going. He's uh, plays third for the Kevin Cooey rink. They're going to Ottawa for the Roar of the Rings, the Canadian Olympic curling trials, and we. Uh, uh, he's also taken his clothes off to be photographed. We'll talk about that. It is Mark Kennedy. Mark, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Hey, Reed. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Always love being here. Yeah, it's, it's always great to talk to you, and you're always uh, a pleasure to talk sports with in general, not just curling. And we do want to talk about the big event you're part of coming up later in the week, which is which is a massive one in Canadian curling. But I know you're uh, you're a big sports fan. You're a big Edmonton supporter. So I'm going to guess the, the West final in the CFL left you feeling a little bummed out. But as an Edmonton area guy, maybe uh, you could, couldn't take a, help but take a little bit of joy at seeing the Stampeders give that one away. Yeah, man, you nailed it. Uh, I was pretty upset last week uh, after that loss, definitely with the uh, field goal call, but I'm sure you guys have talked that to death over the last week and a half. But, uh, yeah, I took a little solace in uh, Ricky Ray winning yesterday. Always been a big Ricky fan. So, And the way it all went down, you know, I've always been an anti-Calgary guy, but I couldn't help but feel a little bit bad for them last night. Uh, I think I think they were the better team, but, um, you know, they just they made more mistakes. And in championship games, you can't make big mistakes like that. And, uh, you know, the veteran Ricky Ray just made less mistakes, and that was the difference. Well, and that's and that's Ricky, right? He keeps the ball in play. He keeps moving it downfield. He takes the shot when it's there. And obviously his defense got a big touchdown. And that's a huge discussion point is, you know, Jordan fumbles. 
It gets run back for the touchdown. His teammate, fellow receiver McDaniel, says, what are you doing? Why are you trying to get extra yards in this situation? He actually said, stupid football lost this game. Um, you, you know, yeah. a lot happens in a football game. Uh, first of all, just just your general reaction to hearing a teammate say that about another teammate publicly, you know, right mm-hmm. after a game like that, when obviously Jordan's feeling terrible while dropping the ball. Yeah, I mean, nobody would have felt worse than Jordan in that situation. Um you know, the comments are obviously out of frustration right after another difficult loss. I've been there. I mean, I've, I've been in situations where you just want to tell the media everything that's on your mind, but you can't do it, and you can't throw your teammates under the bus like that. It's, that those are things that need to be said behind closed doors. Um, you know, but it certainly makes it more exciting for the media to get that type of emotion. I mean, I, it would be a lot b- more boring for you guys if there was no emotion like that. So... It's good from a fan perspective and stuff, but from a team dynamic perspective, that's, you know, it's, it's quite unfortunate that he said what he said. Um, on another note, from a football note, I can't believe they didn't just give the ball to Messam and keep the ball on the ground. Guarantee, right. You know, from a field goal, like, take the field goal if you have to, give it to the best player on the field. Yeah, it was stupid football, to be honest, but... Yeah, you don't be throwing teammates under the bus like that. That's that's rule number one as a team player, and um, you know, kind of disappointed to hear that from uh, from a guy like McDaniel. Well, two two years in a row when a lot of Calgary fans are saying, "Why didn't they give it to Messam?" Because don't forget, they tried that cute play from the one and a half last year that uh, stopped them yeah. from getting a touchdown. But the, you know, the ironic part, and you would appreciate this, is I remember Bo Levi saying last year, "Why is the ball not in my hands? Give me the ball." And then he had the ball in his hands this year. They gave it to him, and he made a stupid decision and gave up the interception. So there's some irony in that as well, right? Like, it's just when you're in the moment and you want to win so bad and you want to be the guy that does it, it's, it's funny how things play out. And you could really see the experience of Ricky Ray being in that moment so many times and knowing how important it is to just not make the big mistake. And that's what won it for him. Yeah. I you love know, sports, man. I love watching the last minutes in games and seeing what people, <laughs> what happens to them in those moments. And it's just, it, it's, it's human, it's the human condition to make those mistakes and to, oh, it's awesome. And hopefully we get to see some of that next week in Ottawa. Well, you're right. But before we get to the curling, I got to ask you one more thing about that, the, the dynamic and the criticism whether it's internal or external, because you're, curling's a, t- a team sport, but it's a small team. There's only four guys, and you know each guy is executing two shots at a time. I know the sweeping and the strategy plays into it, but certainly there are times in curling where a guy can flat out just miss a shot, bad release, you know, bad aim. He, j- he just had a bad day, and sometimes a curling game, yeah. you might be able to say to yourself, "I made all my shots. I swept well." but the skip or the third or whoever flat out missed this shot in this end and they got four or he missed the last shot in the 10th. So, I mean, how does a a curling rink deal with that when sometimes it can be pretty simple? Maybe the, maybe the, the game did turn on one guy's mistake. You know, maybe it kind of is one guy's fault. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's different ways of dealing with it. Um, you know, the first thing you learn on a curling team, if you're going to be successful, is that you you win as a team and you lose as a team. So whether you win because your skip made a heroic shot 
or if you lose because your skip made a big mistake or your third made a big mistake, mistake you, you move forward as a team. You know, you don't single anybody out. You're just a team from, you know, through thick and thin from start to finish. That, that's a big thing for young teams to learn um, because it does go both ways. Sometimes you're the GOAT and sometimes you're the hero and it could change from game to game. So we've always worked on a policy of, of, uh, of being a team, but if anything needs to get said, if somebody's frustrated or upset or wants to single somebody out, you know, that gets said behind closed doors. There's a lot of honest conversations that happen on curling teams these days, including ours. Uh, but you don't leave that room until you're moving forward as a team. That, that's a really important thing. Otherwise, teams aren't going to stay together very long. So, And as curling becomes a bigger sport and there's more attention put on it, these are really important discussions that have to happen. And, um, you know, if you want your team to be successful, you have to be a team through the great times as well as through the uh, crappy times. Well, I, I just find we, we've talked about this in our past conversations that that small group dynamic of a, of a curling team. But, but were there ever any situations where, you know, maybe you had a teammate who who could be a little more liberal with with what he could say, or you might have to accept, you know, what he he's going to go to the media and he's going to say this because um, he's comfortable doing it. He's got the experience to get away with it, and maybe that uh, I don't want to say helps sell the game a little bit, but sometimes the honest comments uh, get people's attention going a little bit too. Yeah, here's the thing about curling teams is the dynamic on every curling team is different. You know, and I've been on different teams as well, but the one thing that's consistent is curling teams don't have GMs. We don't have owners to step in and deal with team dynamic issues. You have to deal with them amongst yourselves. And, you know, I came from a team with Kevin Martin where Kevin, not only was he the the skip, but he was also basically our GM and our owner. So if you wanted to get liberal and say something or single somebody out, you had to be very careful because, you know, you could maybe not be on the team if you said the wrong thing, right? So it, it all depended on how badly you wanted to play with Kevin Martin. You, you certainly weren't going to throw him under the bus because you probably wouldn't be on that team the next day. Uh, you know, however, if Kevin wanted to, he certainly could have been more liberal with with pointing fingers or blaming somebody, but, but the nice thing with somebody like him is he never did that. So... I also learned that if anything needs to get said from a blaming perspective or a finger pointing perspective, let's make sure that that happens behind closed doors because as we all know, the media can be, uh, it can be a beast and saying the wrong thing could, could spark a fire that you wish you never would have started. Uh, you know, no different than the comments we heard from, from Eberly yesterday, you know, it just grows and grows and, and you got to be really careful with what you say. And the curling world, as it, again, as it grows, you're seeing more athletes do media training, you know, learning what to say, what not to say, maybe more importantly. And um, But it's, uh, it's an ever-changing thing, what to say and what not to say to the media. Well, you're going to be part of an event here that's going to have a huge media spotlight on it. Mark Kennedy joining us on Inside Sports plays third for the Kevin Cooey team, one of nine rinks set to compete at the Roar of the Rings coming up in Ottawa. It goes December 2nd to 10th. And, of course, uh, Roar of the Rings, it's basically the Olympic trials. One men's team, one women's team is going to emerge to qualify for the Olympics. Mark, you've been through this before. 
and you've obviously been successful before, and and you've played in you know Briars Grant. I mean, you've you've been in every big event that can can you can imagine for curling. Is this one dif- different than others, and if so, how? Um, it it is different, Reed. Um, they're all a little bit different. None of them are exactly the same. Uh, the difference now is personally, you know, you're getting a little bit later in your career. You're not sure if you're going to have this opportunity again. So you really want to take advantage of it as much as you can. Um, the other thing is this is the first Olympic trials where every team is really, really good. There is a lot of parity in curling. We really have no idea who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to be the front runners. It could literally be anybody. So whereas in the other ones, you kind of knew who the favorites were you had an idea how it was going to play out as the week went on, although it rarely did. Um, but that's what's made this so interesting is it, it's anybody's game and you're just going to have to see how it plays out. So it's, it's different. The one thing that is the same is the, the stakes that are involved are huge. You know, getting the opportunity to go to the Olympics and represent Canada is, uh, is a special thing and, and it, it creates another level of stress and nerves and pressure that, most of us don't get to experience very often in our careers so you know that'll be uh a big part of this week and and that'll probably be a big part of how things will play out how do you handle the stress and the pressure compared to when you were younger mark uh, i handle it a little better <laughs> um i think i learned that the that the preparation is what's really important if you can prepare yourself to a point where you feel like you've done everything you possibly can and you don't have any regrets going into the event, then you can feel good about the result regardless of what happens. Um, leaving that Olympic trials and thinking, oh, we should have done this or we should have done that, that's a terrible feeling. But going in, knowing you've done everything you can, and now you just play and you do everything you possibly can to win and you hope it works out. And I think that's just something you learn as you get a little bit older. That the, you know, the, the real important part is in the in the preparation, and hopefully things work out. And as Kevin Martin used to say, you you work hard, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, and uh, hopefully you win more than you lose. All right, Mark, I got to ask you about one other thing, and apparently that's your willingness to be photographed while wearing very little clothing. Uh... <laughs> What is the deal with the men I, of I haven't curling? made a... <laughs> what is the deal with the men of I don't of make curling? a habit of this. Yeah, no, true. All right, so you did it once. Uh, the men of curling calendar. Well, who's, whose idea is this? What did you guys do? What's it for? It's, uh, well, it's a men's curling calendar to raise some money for charity. Um, this is the second edition of the men's calendar. They've done a bunch of the women's over the years. Uh, the first edition of the men was 2014, and it was a big success. So they thought they would do it again. They asked me be, to be a part of it, and I was excited to do it, uh, mostly to raise some money for some charities that are pretty close to my heart. Um, my wife, Nicole, and I and her cheer team have raised a bunch of money for the uh, uh, Canadian Breast Cancer Foundation over the years through the Run for the Cure. So we're helping raise money for that, as well as a local organization called Simply Supper, uh, Simply Supper helps that do a meal drive uh, to help families in need. So uh, there's a good opportunity to raise some money and a and, uh, good opportunity to, to get in shape, kind of a motivator if I knew I was taking my shirt off. So um, 
but it's been great and the response in the curling community has been fantastic and uh, we've sold a whole bunch already and looking to sell a few more before Christmas here. It's been pretty cool. All right, how can people check it out or order one? Do you just have a website, menofcurling.ca? Is that it? Uh, there is a Men of Curling website. However, it's actually cheaper to buy it directly from me here in the city. Okay. Uh, you can pick up signed copies at uh, Simply Supper. There's two locations, one in Albany and one in Terwilliger. Um and then you can also get in touch with me and Nicole directly if you wanted a personalized calendar. Well, I'd like a personalized calendar, so just put me down for one, all right? Yeah, I've got one with your name on it and a nice uh, inscription on it ready to go for you. Oh, I can't wait. That's what you need to put up in the 630 office, man, a bunch yeah, of I'm half-naked gonna... curling men. Yeah, well, maybe I'll give it to Halsey. Who knows? Bark, they... <laughs> thanks a lot for doing this. All the best in Ottawa, man. Thanks a lot, Reed. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Take care. Mark Kennedy, love having him on the show. Plays third for Kevin Cooey, one of nine men's rinks competing at the Roar of the Rings, the Canadian Olympic Curling Trials in Ottawa. They start on Saturday. That is an intense event. All right, we have a four-pack of tickets to give away to the game on Saturday, December 9th at Northlands Coliseum between the U of A Golden Bears and Nate Ooks. You will have to answer a question live on the radio. 780-496-0063. A trivia question about the 2005 Grey Cup. We'll get to that when we get back. Sidney Crosby in overtime. The Pittsburgh Penguins win 5-4 over the Philadelphia Flyers. Former Oil King Tristan Jari, the winning goaltender. Florida beats New Jersey 3-2. The Canadians have a 2-1 lead on Columbus with six minutes left. After two, Winnipeg up 4-2 on Minnesota. And Chicago crushing Anaheim tonight. Eight minutes into the second period, it's 5-1 for the Blackhawks. Monday night football, 90 seconds left in the first half. Baltimore leads Houston 14-10. Some guests on Inside Sports receive gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Beer, bourbon, and chicken. Order takeout or delivery for the hockey game at Skip the Dishes. My name is Reed Wilkins. All right, so we're giving away four tickets to the uh, face-off game. Northlands Coliseum, Saturday, December 9th, U of A Golden Bears against the Nate Ooks. We were talking earlier about the Eskimos' run to the 2005 Grey Cup. They beat Montreal in the Grey Cup game. Ricky Ray was Edmonton's quarterback. Who was Montreal's quarterback? Should be pretty easy. Andrew, do you know the answer? Uh, yes, I do. Anthony Calvillo. See, I just made it super easy for you, didn't I, buddy? You did, actually. I was kind of worried. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have asked some pretty weird questions, but I decided to be nice tonight. Did you watch the Grey Cup game yesterday, Andrew? Well, I, I watched it after the Oilers game, and holy crap, what a game. What a second half. <laughs> yeah, that fumble recovery, I mean, I'm just sitting there thinking, uh, okay, whatever, they're going to put it away. They're the better team. And then, like, oh, Toronto tied the game, 109 yards. Okay. Well, I was thinking ABC, anybody but Calgary. I've always thought that. But then watching that, I almost lost my voice. I was cheering so loud watching the guy run down the field. (laughs) (laughs) You know, somebody texted earlier saying that uh, she was cheering for Ricky Ray rather than against Calgary. Uh, I was cheering for him, too. Honestly, that was my motivator more so than against Calgary because Calgary was a better team. They they, They just know how to choke. The past couple of years. <laughs> Fair enough. Andrew, stay on the line. Kellen's going to give you some, uh, take your information and let you know how to get the uh, tickets. Do you watch a lot of uh, U of A or Nate games? Uh, I used to have season tickets about 10 years ago. I don't have the ability to do that now. But yes, I did go to the uh, one at Rexall or uh, Rogers place uh, earlier, uh, the uh, Oilers rookies. 
when they played Mc, when it was McDavid against the Bears. Yeah, that was a good game. Uh, oh no, not no. This was McDavid playing this year. No, that was the one that uh, McEwen and uh, Nace beat. Oh, the one this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Sorry, but they had yes, they have Rogers place. They had one at Rexall when McDavid played. That was an yeah. amazing game this year. That was quite a oh, theft. That was insane. Yeah, that was the best goal that I've ever seen. <laughs> hey, Andrew, stay on the line. Thank you for calling. We're winding her down. So here's what we're going to do. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. And then at 5.30, we have the face-off show. And then at 7 o'clock, we have live play-by-play. Your Edmonton Oilers hosting the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, the Oilers did not practice today, by the way, which is why I didn't really have uh, have any updates. Thanks to our guests tonight, Mark Kennedy, Drew Remenda, Kelly Rudy, Mookie Mitchell, Dave Campbell's the producer of the show, Helen Kennedy is the studio producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.